Welcome back to Fundamentally Mormon. Today we're going to be reading Chapter 13 of Reincarnation, pages 105 to 112. The title of the chapter is called Paradise, A World of Spirits. So before I begin the reading for today, I just want you to realize, if you've made it this far, if you're listening to this for the first time, that... um, I started this series on reincarnation, which will lead into the doctrine, the true doctrine of eternal lives, and that um, this series that I've been going over over the last month, month and a half, or whatever it's been, is laying out the doctrine of reincarnation and where Joseph Smith and other leaders of the LDS Church have have, uh, talked about reincarnation. Um, But there's a deeper doctrine which Joseph Smith revealed, which is the doctrine of eternal lives. And that when we're done reading this book, I'm going to go and we're going to be reading another book called The True Doctrine of Eternal Lives, which will get into um, multiple mortal probations and the unperverted doctrine um, that... The truth is that reincarnation is a perversion of a true doctrine that is called uh, the doctrine of eternal lives. So that's the series, and that's where we're going with this. But this book on reincarnation, the Ogden Kraut compiled and put together, um, basically goes over what different people believe about uh, reincarnation but also what the early leaders of the church talked about as far as what reincarnation was to them, which Joseph Smith uh, confirmed that the transmigration of souls is a doctrine of the devil. And I personally believe that it is a a perversion of the truth, which the devil does with many different things. He perverts the truth and and leads people to false doctrine. and that reincarnation is one of those false doctrines, but it has a root in the truth. So anyway, that's where we're going with this, and uh, we'll start the reading now. And, um, well, I have one more thing to say. Uh, Because of my work schedule, um, it's probably going to take months to get through this. Um, This is a series that I felt like was the next one in the the long uh, different series of uh, doctrines that I have talked about over the years and so yeah we're in this but you know we've talked about polygamy we've talked about united orders we've talked about the gathering of Israel we've talked about the changes in the church from the foundation of the church till modern times and yeah there has been many changes doctrinal ones, um, the endowments have been changed, the anointings, the ordinances. Um, we'll talk about rebaptism and what that is, and it was a doctrine that 
um, that was practiced in the early church. Uh, there's lots of things uh, in Mormon history that where things have been either changed or ignored or neglected. And so the different podcasts that I have put out over this, these many years uh, deals with all of these different topics. So this, we're just right now we're in this topic of reincarnation and we'll get into the doctrine of eternal lives. And then I don't know where I'll go after that, but there's so many topics that um, that I can go on and on and on. I've actually done over a thousand podcasts between my first podcast, which was Hacked in 2017, I think it was. And uh, you can actually go look at that. That It shows, if you go to iTunes, it, uh, just type in the kingdom of God or nothing and you'll see all of the podcasts that I did do. But if you try to listen to any of them, they will all be blank because they were hacked by somebody. I don't know. Somebody, somebody took over my website. They hacked a bunch of my podcasts. I don't know who did it. So I started a new podcast called Fundamentally Mormon. And uh, this podcast is not as popular as the last one. But uh, I think that the popularity of that podcast is what got me hacked by people who did not want me to talk about the stuff that I talk about. So anyway, let's get into the reading of this book. So we're, like I said before, we're on chapter 13 of the book Reincarnation. Uh, Paradise, a World of Spirits, and we'll be reading reading pages 105 to 112. And if you look in the description of this podcast at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon or in iTunes by searching Zion's Redemption Radio Network, you'll find links in the description that will take you to the text that we're reading. But in the text, uh, you don't get the commentary, and in the listening of the podcast, you actually do get the commentary. So I suggest people read along, but also listen to the podcast. Of course, there's lots of people that think I know, or that they know that I I believe in certain things because they read what I post. Well, the reason I post the text is so you can read along, not because it's what I believe. If you want to know what I believe, listen to the podcast. Don't assume that I believe something just because I post the text to the reading. Anyway, let's get into this. This is uh, chapter 13. Then we're starting on page 105 in the book Reincarnation. Thus they, the wicked, remain in this state, a state of darkness, as well as the righteous in paradise until the time of the resurrection. Alma chapter 40 verse 14 There are many terms for the state for that state or spiritual existence immediately following death purgatory which is a doctrine of the catholicism or catholic church which i believe is the doctrine of the devil paradise spirit prison etc which is a prerogative purging place of rehabilitation from the mistakes made in mortality. The prophet Joseph Smith explained, Hades, the Greek, or Shaul, or, yeah, or Shiloh, no. 
I've read this word before. I've heard it pronounced, but I can't remember how to pronounce it. It's the Hebrew word for the spirit world. Shaul? No. Whatever. The Hebrew. These two significations, meaning world of spirits. Hades, Shaul. I'm pretty sure I'm saying that wrong. Paradise, spirits in prison are all one. It is a world of spirits. And that's according to Joseph Smith, which is recorded in the Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 5, page 425. And also from Joseph Smith, quote, I will say something about the spirits in prison. There has been much said by modern divines about the words of Jesus when on the cross to the thief, saying, This day shall thou be with me in paradise which is the King James translators make out to say paradise, but what is paradise? It is a modern word. It does not answer all at all to the original word that Jesus made use of. Find the original of the word paradise and you will find easily a needle in a haymarrow. Here is a chance for battle, ye learned men. There is nothing in the original word in Greek from which this was taken that signifies paradise. But it was, This day thou shalt be with me in the world of spirits. We're on page 106. Then I will teach you all about it and answer your inquiries. And Peter says he went and preached to the world of spirits or spirits in prison which is in 1 Peter chapter 3 of the 19th verse, so that they who would receive it could have it answered by proxy by those who live on the earth. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 309. It seems incredible that those understanding the gospel's plan of salvation could believe in a uh, a mortal rebirth cycle and still incorporate the purpose and plan of paradise or the world of spirits. Why preach to the spirits in that prison if they can repent only on earth in a mortal body? Why waste time on them if they must return to the earth and forget everything they have learned? And why do temple work for our ancestors in paradise if they have already left there to be born again on the earth? And let me just talk about this uh, scripture that was being quoted by Joseph Smith. So I used to be a Southern Baptist. And I believed that Jesus Christ was the son of God who incarnated on the earth from being God the Father. And that he was the same So that Jesus was the Father in heaven who had incarnated in mortality on the earth and that he became what is known as the Holy Spirit and that this is the Trinity doctrine that I believed before I met the Mormon missionaries and uh, and then later on when I found out for myself the reality of the three independent uh, individuals known as the Godhead being the Father who is separate from the Son who is separate from the Holy Ghost so um, after my conversion I applied to go on a mission after that time period when I was able to 
and because I was a Southern Southern Baptist, I understood things uh, from a different perspective of somebody who was born and raised in the church. And luckily enough, or maybe I was foreordained, whatever, I was sent to Southern Georgia on my mission, starting out in Savannah, Georgia, uh, and then going to just north of Macon. And my, my mission was called the Macon, uh, Georgia-Macon Mission. I went to Columbus after that, and then I ended up in uh, Douglas, not Douglasville in northern Georgia, but Douglas in southern Georgia. And I was very successful as a missionary in the South because I had been a Southern uh, Southern Baptist. And one of the things that I used to really get people on because I understood the doctrine as they believed it of the Trinity or the notion of the Trinitarian whatever doctrine. Um, but I understood how to use the Bible to lead people to where I wanted to reveal things to them, to show them the truth of the doctrine that was found and, and taught by the prophet Joseph Smith. And one of the things that I used to use quite successfully was that I would read to them different scriptures and I would start off uh, for this particular concept of the Trinity with uh, the thief on the cross and how Jesus had said, Verily I say unto you, thou shalt be with me in paradise. But three days later, he went to, he was resurrected, and the first person he went to was Mary. And that he said, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go unto my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and to your father, and unto my God and to your God. And then I would say, now how could Jesus go to the world of the uh, of spirits and the spir uh, spirit paradise, as he wasn't a liar? Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. But he had not yet been to where the Father was at, which is not paradise; it was heaven, which shows that paradise and heaven are two separate places. But it also shows that Jesus Christ had not yet been to where the Father is at because he is the Son. He is not the Father. And that after he met with Mary at the garden tomb, he did go to the Father, who is a separate individual being. That Jesus is the Son of the Father, not the Father. Now, I didn't understand at the time... Um, the progression of the gods or how Jesus becomes the father, even though he's the son. Um, but the other scripture I would show was that in Revelations chapter one, that Jesus Christ hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father. And once again, I did not at that time understand that Jesus and Jehovah were two separate individuals or that Michael was who we call our father. And I should have understood that because Michael became Adam, and he is the father of all living on this earth. And we can call him the father because he is literally our father. Whether we want to throw him under the bus because of the fall, which I believe was completely necessary and according to the plan. Um, but that, that 
that doesn't line up with a lot of other people and their their ideas of, of doctrine. But anyway, um, so I just had to uh, throw that out there so that like as people are trying to understand Mormonism, because there's a lot of people who are not Mormons who listen to this program, um, why I believe that the Trinity as Jesus being like God the Father and the Holy Ghost and that they're one in being and all of that, that I don't believe that. I believe that they are separate individuals who are one in unity. When Jesus said, um, Father... Um, as I am one in you, I want these these apostles of mine to be one with us. Like it's not that the apostles were were the Father and the Son; they were their own separate individuals. But Jesus was speaking of being one in unity, as the Father is with the Son, and the Son is with the Father. That Jesus wanted the apostles to be one in unity with the Father and the Son. We don't believe in a fiftinity. You know, the twelve apostles, Jesus and and the Holy Ghost and the the Father, that would be fifteen, right? We don't believe in a fiftinity. But the Trinity, which is three in one, is also a false doctrine. So anyway, um, continuing on with the reading uh, after this little you know I, I give that tangent out just uh, because um, it's a quiver in your arrow when you're doing missionary work you're speaking with somebody who believes in the Trinity if you remember these concepts you can ask them these questions and and people will not learn until you break the false doctrines that they believe and once you break those doctrines then you can begin to introduce truth to them. But once those are, but until you break people and start getting them to question, they're always going to believe the false doctrines that, that were taught to them on their parents' laps and by the false ministers of Christianity. Continuing on, the prophet Joseph Smith, quoting the Savior, said that in paradise, mankind would have the provisions of hearing believing and obtaining salvation. Quote, what has Jesus said? All sin, all blasphemies, and every transgression, except one that man can be guilty of, may be forgiven. And there is salvation for all men, either in this world or in the world to come, who have not committed the unpardonable sin. There being a provision either in this world or the world of spirits. Every man who has a friend in the eternal world can save him unless he has committed the unpardonable sin. And so you can see how far you can be a savior. But this, but when he consents to obey the gospel, whether here or in the world of spirits, he is saved. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 356 and 357. Heber C. Kimball commented, If you do not cultivate yourself and cultivate your spirits in this state of existence, it's just as true as it is a God that, will, that liveth. You will have to go into another state of existence and bring your spirits into subject, uh, subjection there. There, 
Now you may reflect upon it. You never will obtain your resurrected bodies until you bring your spirits into subjection. And that's according to Heber C. Kimball, who was uh, the first counselor in the first presidency of Brigham Young, I believe. And uh, that that was recorded in Journal of Discourses, Volume 1, page 355. The obvious interpretation of this paragraph is that this state refers to mortality and another state refers to a different state than mortality or the spirit world. Otherwise, why didn't Heber say return to the state instead of saying go into another state? The reincarnationalists believe that the spirit or soul travels to this spirit world there to await being sent down to earth again to learn by experience and repent of their failings. Um, I wouldn't say repent of their failings because I believe that we receive forgiveness through the atonement of Jesus Christ, but that we can learn by going into multiple mortal probations from world to world um, the experiences that we need to become uh, to gain a higher level of resurrection. But that that not, might not necessarily mean coming onto the wor- this world multiple times, but going on to a new earth cycle. So when John the Revelator sees a new earth being created, that that earth would be a place where we could put off our resurrection and go on a new world, a new earth, as a new uh, into a new, new mortality. And that's what I believe the doctrine of multiple mortal probations or eternal lives is, and we'll get into that in this series in the future when when I uh, finish reading this book and get into the book on the doctrine of eternal lives. But anyway, continuing on, the gospel teaches, however, that the spirit world is a place for repenting and that their spirit remains in that spirit world until they have changed. In contrast to returning to mortality and thus experiencing mortal death many times, the Apostle Orson Hyde stated, and this is the Apostle Orson Hyde who, who was part of the first, um, like during the life of Joseph Smith and Brigham Young. He stated, Well now, let this pipe, let these pipes and tobaccos alone, and let whiskey alone, and sisters let tea and coffee alone. I know I am touching you in a vital place, but will you do it? Oh dear, I shall die if I cannot have some. Well, we have gone, we have got to die once, and it had better be in a good cause uh, than a bad one. (laughs) I don't know what that has to do with reincarnation, but that was the Apostle Orson Hyde, as recorded in Journal of Discourses, volume 17, page 14. Those believing that we must come back into mortality again and apparently and again, apparently do not accept the key that Christ gave as to how to get those spirits out of that prison. Erastus Snow, who was another early leader in the church, said, and we're on page 108 if you're reading along, the mission of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ between his death and resurrection was a similar mission, but a very short one. It lasted only three days. While his body lay in the tomb, his spirit visited the spirits in prison and turned the key and opened the door 
of their prison house and offered unto them the gospel of salvation. How many of them were prepared to avail themselves of it at that time? Comparatively few. So that's his speculation, uh, the uh, speculation of Erastus Snow. That he opened the door and offered the message of life and salvation. And having done this, his fellow laborers, the 70s elders, and others whom he ordained to the ministry, as fast as they finished their ministry in the flesh, continued their work among the spirits in prison. So is the prophet Joseph Smith officiating and ministering to those spirits. And that's according to the ideas and thoughts of Erastus Snow as recorded in Journal of Discourses, volume 25, page 33. The only way out of that spirit prison is not to be born again into mortality, but by being resurrected. Said the prophet Joseph Smith, quote, The righteous and the wicked all go to the same world of spirits until the resurrection. That's according to Joseph Smith as recorded in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 310. Also from Orson Pratt, who was an early early apostle in the church. What further, what further are we told on this subject? That after we get back into the presence of God and return home again, that it shall come to pass that the spirits of the righteous, those who have done good, those who have wrought the works of righteousness here upon the earth, shall be received into a state of rest, a state of happiness, of peace, a state of joy, where they will remain until the time of the resurrection. Journal of Discourses, Volume 2, page 238. Those who believe that we all return to earth as mortals shortly after we die should reconsider what the scriptures say about all who died before Christ came to earth. Parley Pratt, an early leader in the church, explained this subject, and we're on page 109, and we're at 49% through the reading for today. Now, how are they situated in the spirit world? If we reason from analogy, we should at once conclude that these exist there after the same pattern. I have not the least doubt, but that there are spirits there who have dwelt there a thousand years, who, if we could converse with them face to face, would be found as ignorant of the truths and ordinances, powers, keys, priesthood, resurrection, and the eternal life of the body, in short, as ignorant of the fullness of the gospel with its hopes and uh, consolations, as is the Pope of Rome or the Bishop of Canterbury or as the chiefs of the Indian tribes of Utah. And why this ignorance in the spirit world? Because a portion of the inhabitants thereof are found unworthy of the consolations of the gospel until the fullness of time, until they have suffered in hell, in the dungeons of darkness or in the prisons of the condemned, amid the buffetings of fiends and malice and lying spirits. None of these refer to a mortal condition. As in earth, so in the spirit world, no person can enter into the privileges of the gospel until the keys are turned and the gospel opened by those in authority. 
for all which there is a time according to the wise dispensations of justice and mercy. Think of those swept away by the flood in the days of Noah. Did they wait a long time in prison? Forty years? Oh, what a time to be imprisoned! What do you say to a hundred, or a thousand, or two thousand, or three, or four thousand years to wait? Without what? Without even a clear idea or hope of the resurrection from the dead? Without the broken heart being bound up and captive delivered? Or the door of the prison opened? Did they? Uh, did not they wait? Yes, they did, until Christ was put to death in the flesh. And that can be found in Journal of Discourses, Volume 1, page 10, 11, and 12. Those souls remained in the spirit world for up to 4,000 years, during which time none was born again on earth. So no people who were in the spirit world were born again on earth. Orson Pratt explained how repentance and the resurrection is the only way to get out of that spirit world. And we're on page 110 at 63%. That repentance can occur in mortality and the spirit world as well. Quote, as it is written in the fourth chapter of the first epistle of Peter, quote, for this cause it was the gospel or was the gospel preached to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh and live according to God in the spirit. Now, if the gospel was preached to those who are dead, to the old antediluvians who perished over 2,000 years ago before Jesus was put to death, for what purpose was it preached? So the antediluvians were the people who lived before the flood in the days of Noah and before that. That they might have the same set, a same privilege of hearing and obeying the gospel that those who are in the flesh and being end up being judged thereby, but says one, they cannot obey it in the spirit world. They can in part, but they can obey it so far as believing in Jesus is concerned and repenting of their sins. For repentance and faith are born both acts of the mind. But when it comes to baptism, being born or of or immersed in water they cannot do it God has ordained that man here in the flesh shall be baptized for those who are dead Journal of Discourses volume 16 page 298 if these spirits are going to be reborn into mortality why couldn't they do their own baptisms on earth again rather than have it done for them The spirit world is a place to get rid of the impurities that we failed to discard from our character while on earth. Bad habits, wrongdoings, and mistaken concepts and beliefs. But if it was difficult to discard these habits here, it won't be any easier in the world of spirits. Paradise is a continuation of our personality and character, good and bad. And um, I just, I remember... I think it was Joseph F. Smith that taught that if it would take us uh, three score and ten years, which would be 70 years, to uh, to overcome uh, the carnalities of mortality, 
that in that world it would take a thousand years or something to that effect. There's a concept there that we can do more in the flesh to overcome our weaknesses than we can once we're out of the flesh and in the spirit world. And I don't know if that's true or not, but that is what has been taught in the church. As Heber C. Kimball testified, and Heber C. Kimball, like I said, was, I think he was the first counselor in the second, the first presidency of the second prophet of the Brighamite Church in Salt Lake, or Brigham Young. Anyway, Heber C. Kimball testifies, if you are subject to rebellious spirits or to a spirit of apostasy here, you will, uh, will you not have the same spirits? the same spirit beyond the veil that you had on this side you will and it will have power over you to lead you to do wrong and it will control your spirits and we're on page 111 for you who are reading along and we're at 78 percent through the reading for today if then you are opposed to the truth while you are here you will be occupied you will be occupied on that opposition hereafter For the spirit that is opposed to the work of God here will be opposed to that work when beyond the veil. I do not guess at this because I have been at the other side of the veil in vision and have seen a degree of its condition with the eyes that God gave me. I have seen it and have seen those that lived in the faith and had the privilege of seeing Jesus Peter, James, and the rest of the ancient apostles, and of hearing the, and of hearing them preach the gospel, I have also seen those who rebelled against them, and they still had a rebellious spirit fighting against God and His servants. And that was Heber C. Kimball, as recorded in the Journal of Discourses, Volume Four, page two seventy three and two seventy four. These rebellious spirits will remain in the spirit world until they repent sufficient to be resurrected. The reason paradise has been called a spirit prison is because it is a place where spirits are held and prevented from going anywhere else, just like earthly prisons. They cannot migrate to earth or to any other sphere during that imprisonment. Since disembodied spirits cannot have a fullness of joy until their resurrection, see Doctrine and Covenants, section 93, verses 33 and 34, this time spent in the spirit world is a type of prison for those spirits waiting deliverance. Reincarnationalists think that the spirit prison is a holding area where spirits are waiting to be born again, but the gospel teaches that it is a place to prepare for the resurrection. Some reincarnationalists believe that even the animals and birds are waiting there to be born again on the earth. This is an incorrect theological concept, as Brigham Young stated. Quote, and this is Brigham Young, second president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He says, there is another thought which strikes my mind at this moment, upon which I will perhaps be well enough to throw out a few ideas. It has been and is now believed by numerous individuals that the brute creation, by increase in knowledge and wisdom, changed their physical and bodily organization through numerous states of existence so that the minutest insect 
in the lapse of time can take upon itself the human form and vice versa. And we're on page 112 at 93%. So we're almost done with the reading for today. This is one of the most inconsistent ideas that could be possibly entertained in the mind of man. It is called the transmitigation of souls. And that was Brigham Young as recorded in the Journal of Discourses, Volume 1, pages 92 and 93. After we pass through this mortal existence, we will have a perfect recollection of our whole life. Surely there will be no desire to trudge through this mess again once once is enough. And that's uh, that's Ogden Kraut's opinion. And you know what? I, I kind of agree with that opinion, except for every single life is valuable. The experiences that we gain, even if we are living in a hut in Africa or we're Native America uh, in the times before Christ, like whatever we live on the earth, the experiences that we gain there are for our experience and our progression. And even though I don't want to go through anything that I've been through in this mortality again, um, I see the value in coming into mortality to gain experience. Anyway, continuing on, similarly, a man who has been eaten a huge meal has lost all desire to eat another. So to everyone who has been through mortality will have had their fill of it and will have no desire to come back and do it again. And that's an opinion. And as hopefully this book shows, there will be no there will be no need to do so. So that's the end of that chapter. When we come back, we'll be in chapter 14, which starts on page 113, and we will be talking about the sons of perdition. So we'll get into that uh, next time. Thank you for listening to the program. Take care, everyone. God bless, and goodbye.